How do we as Christians deal with the whole matter of covetousness? Hello, welcome to Good Word. I am David Thomas, the convener of our lesson discussion this week. I'm happy to have Brant Berglund and Bruce Taves, Brant from the School of Theology and Bruce from the School of Business, here to talk to us about covetousness. Covetousness is a, a very challenging topic. Um, the human beings seem to have a great propensity to to covet, and I think there is an, a foundational text that we ought to put in here, First Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fa- fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Wow, those are quite an, that's quite an assembly of verses there. Uh, somebody defined covetousness as an inordinate desire to have something you do not have to the point it becomes a fascination that you act on. So it's not just thinking, oh, I would like to have that, but it actually involves also acting on it. Covetousness is often focused on money or wealth, but it could be focused on any number of other things. So, gentlemen, uh, what about this human propensity and how should we go about dealing with it? Any ideas? There are a lot of things in life that I want, and some of them are basic necessities. And I'm hoping the word covetousness doesn't apply consistently to that. If I'm thirsty and I want a drink of water, is that coveting? Or at what point is it beyond the needs that I have and and how I even define my needs can be sometimes be interesting, right? What is a need and what is a want and that line between them? And is it wrong to want things? I'm not answering the question. I'm You're opposing it again. Opposing more. Well, it's interesting that the Bible sees covetousness as a major sin. You know, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, it's listed along with fornicators and idolaters and adulterers and so forth, thieves, covetousness. They're the covetous, the drunkards, the revilers, extortionists. They won't inherit the kingdom of God. So, but I, I, I don't think covetousness applies to wanting necessary things. Would you agree? I think the advertising industry is a is an interesting illustration where we receive hundreds of messages a day threefold from what we received 40 years ago really and each message says that we won't be content until we have whatever they offer so if you use our product you will have beautiful skin and hair and you'll have chiseled abs and a beautiful smile <laughs> And a beautiful spouse and beautiful children and peace and contentment the rest of your days. So you really can't live without it. Why should you deny yourself? You owe it to yourself. So there's a quote from Ray Locke, who was a very successful ad exec. And he said, next to Christianity, advertising is the greatest force in America. And I say that without sacrilege or disrespect. Advertising makes people discontented. It makes them want things they don't have. It creates an insatiable appetite for more stuff. It breeds dissatisfaction and changes one's personality. The way one eats, dresses, gets around. It biases the whole lifestyle and culture. Huh. (laughs) Wow. You know, you remind me, Bruce, I have an uncle. He's now dead. He's a very good man, a godly man, lived a hard life as a missionary in certain places in the world. But he referred to the old catalogs like a big CS catalog. He referred to them as covet books. (laughs) 
which made me laugh that now you get that and you look through it and then you covet uh, all those things or whatever until you buy something. I remember as a boy having a Sears and a J.C. Penney and a Montgomery Wards catalog, you know, inch and a half thick of, of things that my brother and I would pour through the toy section and say, oh, that Lego set. If only I had that Lego set, right? I'd be happy for life. Yeah. So the, the job is to turn a need into a want. Or to create a want. Yeah. I, I like that it, 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 it does what he said, that we, it, just, it, it gets rid of our contentment. You're no longer content with your circumstances, see. And that's, in essence, what covetousness is, see. The commandment, though, is interesting, the Tenth Commandment, because there's, there's an element to the Tenth Commandment that, that in some ways limits covetousness, and that is to wanting those things that are not mine, yes, but that belong to someone else, right? You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's house or your neighbor's oxen or your goods or anything that belongs to your neighbor. It's not necessarily wrong to, to go to the store and say, you know, that could make my life easier. There was a, there was a time when um, in early Advent history when um, some, some machines were coming around that could make life easier, and uh, several church leaders rebuked the, the church members for saying, hey, I'm not going to buy that machine that could save my wife a lot of time and energy. Um, sometimes those things can be very helpful, right? It's like um, a washing machine. Would it be better to buy a washing machine or, or to hand wash all my things? Oh, I, I'm not going to buy a washing machine. You know, you know, this is funny because when I was in college, dishwashers were just coming in vogue. And I remember in a classroom one day, people, because they cost, I think back then it was like $300 and salaries were like $800 a month. So, I mean, it was a sizable investment. And I remember some people saying, well, you shouldn't waste your money on a dishwasher. And the, the teacher, a wise man, said, well, he says, I'm going to tell you right now, at my first convenience, I'll be buying one for my wife. Because <laughs> he could have washed the dishes himself, too. <laughs> um you know the the interesting thing I thought about the the lesson was that it um, it cited several biblical examples of of people who got in a lot of trouble with covetousness and one of the most interesting was was this idea that maybe the original sin committed by Lucifer was actually driven by covetousness. What do you think of that? I think there's a high likelihood because covetousness is the one commandment that strikes first at the heart of a person, and because of that, if Lucifer coveted something that wasn't his in the beginning and that was either a a beauty that he didn't possess and wished to be more beautiful or even to be like god we see we see the the antichrist idea throughout the new testament someone who wants to take the place of god and if he coveted a place that was not his that's yeah that led to action it did it led to rebellion ultimate and yeah. dis, like bruce you mentioned dissatisfaction that covetousness is a sense of dissatisfaction i'm not happy with where i'm at i want to go higher and maybe we can even do this in business I, I, I covet th that position. The if only syndrome, or the grass is greener over there, but it's got to be mowed over there too. <laughs> <laughs> if the grass is greener, you got more work ahead of you. <laughs> you know, another story in the Bible that's very prominent is the story of Achan. I mean, that that's a well-known story where after the the um, the battle at Jericho, wasn't it Jericho? I didn't write that down. That they they gather the spoils of war, which they were told not to keep. And his eye fell on some Babylonian garments, which were fashionable, and uh, so he took them home. And, and a big hunk of gold. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting to me that he buried, <laughs> buried them under the tent. I don't know what a garment looks like after you're buried in the ground. And yet, 
this becomes a, a big incident in the in the life of the community, right? They they suffer defeat in the next battle because of of this, and of course the the, the whole idea of casting lots finally selects Achan, and he confesses to his to him. But this this is a a case of of uh, covetousness, right? It makes me think about Adam and Eve, and and even the Garden of Eden with the serpent. Serpent was the first great false advertiser, wasn't he? I mean, he created in her a desire for something that she didn't need, shouldn't have had, and said, look, your life will be better if you have this. Look at look at me. Look how wise I am. And, and then she reached out and took it. Um, wow, yeah. that speaks volume. I guess I've never th- thought about Genesis from that perspective. Bruce, you're saying, yeah, you're, you study the Bible. You should have come to this conclusion a long time ago. <laughs> Um, of course, there's a story of Judas, isn't it? Isn't that an element of covetousness? Although I don't think it's quite as prominent as, say, Achan was. And maybe the most remarkable of all of them was Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah, it led them to renege on their commitments to God. Oh. Yeah. And uh, the problem with one problem with covetousness is that you will never reach a level where you're satisfied. Rockefeller was once asked, "How much money does it take to satisfy?" And he said, "A little more than you than you have." <laughs> you'll all. Another definition was a hundred dollars more than your brother-in-law, or some, something <laughs> along that line. And so I think it really comes down to being content with what you have. I, I love what Paul says in Philippians 4. I'm not complaining because over the years I've learned to be content in whatever situation I find myself. I know from experience what it's like to be in extreme need and also what it's like to have more than I need. I've learned the secret of being content wherever I am, whether I'm hungry or well-fed, whether I have little or much. Now, people will say that that leads to mediocrity, being content, that you have to have a drive, you have to be going somewhere. Well, I suppose it, it, it... it could in some situations, but it's more an, an attitude of, of being grateful in your circumstance or regardless of your circumstance. But it also presumes that you have an, uh, somewhat of an other, otherworldly focus where the primary issues of life are not your circumstances here, but what you're accomplishing in anticipation of the kingdom. Yeah. And I think that's what drove the Apostle Paul. Well, and Paul, Paul does add, he says, I've learned the secret of being content in all circumstances, whether in want or in wealth. Yeah, yeah. So it, apparently he's not he's not castigating the rich side either. No. He's just saying, I'm, I know the secret of contentment. And that's, yeah. I don't look at riches as a means to, or as, as an end in itself. So what's the cure for, for uh, covetousness, to realize that this life is not all there is? Well, I think it comes back to um, what we talked about with uh, giving away our, you know, like the, the rich young ruler was not able to do that. And, right. um, but to break that power that things can have over us, just give it away. Yeah, and uh, an otherworldly focus will, is the only thing that will do that. When you realize that there is a, an eternity and, and a God, then your life is lived in very different parameters than if you think you're there all on your own. And in your prayer life, ask God to reveal to you where your, where your desires go astray from his, asking his desires to lead us. Yeah, Praying is dangerous, you know. <laughs> You've got Daniel in prison. Downright life In the lion's den, in the lion's den. Yep. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, covetousness is a big deal, and I think it's something that we have to war against. And I like the solution of uh, not only focusing on eternity, but giving it away to break that power. Mm-hmm. You know, giving it away. So, Well, Brent and, and Bruce, thank you very much for your contributions to the discussion this week. My thanks to our engineer for her work, and my thanks to those of you who listened to the good word. And I know some of you are far away from us, but for the good word... 
I'm Dave Thomas. You've been listening to Good Word, a production of the School of Theology at Walla Walla University and KGTS-FM. To order a copy of today's broadcast, you can call 509-527-2194. Thanks for listening, and we'll be here next week at this time with Good Word.